This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their tap room in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com. Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt. And welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We're broadcasting from the Beer Guys Radio Studios in Marietta, Georgia. And this week, we are talking Michigan beer history. I'm Tim Dennis, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Brian Hewitt. Hey, Tim. So joining us today, we have Patty Smith, the author of Michigan Beer, A Heady History. We're going to talk about the long and intriguing history of beer in Michigan, as the name implies. It does, yes. Patty, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It was pretty awesome to hear from you all uh, down in Georgia. Yes, we try and keep our finger on the pulse as much as possible. And when I saw that, uh, when I saw the news article about your book Mm -hmm. coming out, I'm like, this sounds like a great show. That's It was selfish reasons, though, Patty, I'll be honest, because I'm like, I know I can learn some very cool stuff from this. So I think it'd be great to have a conversation. And and Tim awesome. just really loves history. And I also do. beer, yeah, but, uh, but yeah. history. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. History and beer, alcohol and history in general. I read a book on rum, and it's called like The History of the World in 10 Cocktails or something like that. Patty, are you familiar with that one by chance? I am not, but that sounds like It is. It's really Nate. No, Mike, Nate knows it, but it, it follows like sugar cane, rum production, you know, molasses in the slave trade and yeah. how all of those were into each other. And Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's fascinating to read. Whether or not. I think you can take any concept and say, I want to make this point with it. And you can probably find ways to put it together. So, sure. But either way, I found it a, a very interesting. I'll read it Not as soon as I learn how to read, Tim. One day. That's why they made Audible is for people like you. Bro. That's right. I right. do like Audible. I, I'm a fan. Yeah, I actually look for your book exactly. on Audible. How soon? How, how long do we have to wait before it's on Audible? You know, that's a great question, and probably, you know, I don't know if this publisher has, is, is big with Audible or not, but I, right. I guess I could read it. That's it right. There. You could get yeah. it out there, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's We we have talked to a couple other people. I think they're under the same. Is it Arcadia Publishing? Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the we have an Atlanta beer history book. Actually, one on Prohibition in Atlanta, yep. and then Atlanta beer, a heady history, mm-hmm. and uh, North Alabama, I think, uh, that we did a show with a while ago, you know, talking to Huntsville area and that, so you know, covering some of these various areas. You know what? I ought to just go to that publisher's website and find all the regional beer books and just do beer and history shows. Actually, yes. Right? That is a good blueprint. Yes. 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 Have they done an overall, like a giant compendium where they stitch together a bunch of chapters from different areas? Yeah. The overview of American (laughs) beer history. American beer. Wow. That would be a big, long history. That'd be pretty interesting. American beer is good. The word limits, uh, the minimum and the maximum are eh, not real far apart. So 35,000 minimum, 38,000 maximum words. So that would be really tricky. You know, that's mm-hmm. interesting because I noticed that all of the books are, are similar size, and I didn't know if that was just mm-hmm. coincidental or. No, they, okay. I mean, there is, it's, they're a good publisher. I mean, they're a niche publisher. They know what they're right. doing. They are, they're gobbling up smaller companies uh, for better or worse, and they have very specific guidelines of how they want things done, like a certain number of pictures, and they want it mapped out kind of a certain way. You do have, you do have some creative, um, you know, some creative flexibility as an author, but they definitely do have some things you absolutely have to follow okay i guess if they figure out the formula see i'm yeah, learning about exactly. book, 
publishing today. See? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you wow. could just leave out those words that nobody really needs, like the or the, and. Right, or, right, exactly. Of, just, just all those useless good. words. Yeah, just, yeah there, you, there go. you go. You're, 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 you're down under your limit. Now you Why have a ton use more many word when few word work? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Why beer good? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Patty, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how did you get to do this book? Uh, my first history book with this publisher was back in 2014, and it was on the history of downtown Ann Arbor, where I live. So it was, it was a real narrow topic. It was mostly, a, they, they at one point did a lot of books with pictures and then small kind of blurb descriptions. And then I went a little bit bigger and did the his with a co-author of mine, um, Britton Woodman. He and I did a book on the history of Ann Arbor as a city. Um, I was thinking about doing another book with them. And I, I've also been writing about beer since about 2010. Uh, and I, I kind of had stopped because with beer writing, you kind of hit a point where it's like, all right, I've reviewed every style. There's only so many ways you can describe a lager. It's crisp. It's clear. Right, it's, you know, yeah. like at some point you're like, all right, all right, you get it. So I thought, well, that would be awesome to marry the two, the beer and the history and Michigan, where I've lived for most of my life. And so I started thinking about it uh, probably, I'd say, uh, summer of 2019. And I don't know if folks know this. If you write a fiction book, you write the book and then you sell it. Whereas with nonfiction, you do a proposal, you okay. sell it. And then you write the book. So I, I had stayed in touch with my editor at Arcadia and I, I messaged him like probably, probably like December of 2019 now. And he's like, oh yeah, it's a great idea. I need the proposal and, and we'll talk. So I kind of farted around a little bit. Finally got the proposal out to my editor uh, first week of March, 2020. What else happened the first week of March, 2020? I don't, I don't recall so, anything. Nothing right, of right, note, Nothing right? of right. note. Exactly. It was, it was pretty ordinary week. So, and I actually remember, because they're on the East Coast, and I actually remember an email from him saying something like, hey, is anything going on? And I was like, no, you know, not nothing. And then that week on, um, I think it was Thursday night, we got a text from our school. I'm, I'm a teacher saying, get everything on Google Classroom. We're going to be closed down for three weeks. And then that three uh, weeks turned yeah. into many months. Um, so it actually started, I call it my pandemic book. Because it was really, uh, there was a, there was a long period where I couldn't really do much. And then I was able to, to get it going. It wasn't, it wasn't the book I thought it would be, um, but I'm still really happy with how it turned out. Excellent. Is That's it? all. See, I got the book, but I got it late. So I did, mm -hmm. I did buy a copy of the book. Thank you. And uh, I've made, I think I'm 17 pages in so far, Patty. So I've got all plenty right. of reading hey. ahead of me there. Instead of writing a book, I was fermenting foods, but I think the, the writing the book seems a little bit more productive and lo more long-term <laughs> rewards to that. So yeah. my fermented foods are all long gone, but she still has a book. Yes. Yeah. And you can ferment some more pickles or Maybe I could ferment a book. But anyway. There you go. Yeah. Well, Tim, I think we should talk about the beers of the week before we Absolutely. run out of time here. Brian, as you know, as we always do here, it's kind of tradition that we have a good list of beers to drink here. What? We're going to get into it. Uh, Michigan beers may surprise yeah. you, but we're getting into Michigan beers. Right now, we are currently drinking Bell's Tequila Barrel-Aged Flamingo Fruit Fight. Flamingo Fruit Fight. Uh, it had a goozy scent to it, yeah. Brian, at yeah. first. On, for, on first pour, it had a little goozy scent to it. Drinking that now. Brian, we've got a Founders KBS with Hazelnut. Mm. Uh, Old Nation B43, which is the brute version of their IPA. At uh, M43 yes. that we enjoy a lot. Mm -hmm. And from Jolly Pumpkin, one from my cellar. I've had this one for a minute. Uh, Bam Noir. Jolly Pumpkin Bam Noir. Ah, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Looking so forward to those. We're going to get into all of those and enjoy them. 
Brian, you got some craft beer news for us? I do. So one of the more most popular news stories of the week regarding beer, anyway, is the uh, Ukrainian brewery that has switched from brewing beer to making Molotov cocktails. The brewery is Pravda Brewery, and it's located in the western Ukrainian city of Lviv, I think is how you say it. Close, right. And a big part of what has made the story so popular is the beer bottles themselves. Uh, I don't have the name handy here, but translated into radio-friendly English, it the beer it means Putin is a jerkhead. So yes, can, go with that, yes. right? Yes. And the label has an unflattering image of Vladimir Putin and uh, other Russian officials. He's sitting on a throne with somebody in his lap. It's, it's all very amusing. The, uh, the other interesting thing is the beer name and the label preexisted the current Molotov cocktail situation. Before the conflict, it was a dry hop golden ale. And prior to the war, the brewery had actually sent a six-pack of the beer to the Kremlin. So it's unknown if That's Putin beautiful. ever saw the beer. Yes. And it is thought that the beer is not the main cause of the current war, but it is unknown. <laughs> they can't prove that, right? Yes, but I will say ISO, Tim. I want, I want one of these yes. beers. And props to that brewery, man. You know, props to Ukraine, yeah. really. I mean, just amazing stuff. It's... I've seen videos, there's people, there's grandmothers going out with their hair up in a bun, stopping tanks, Brian. With, with Molotov cocktails, it's, possibly no, made from no, this? No, just, just with their bare them? hands. Oh, okay. just, it's just crazy over there, the way the Ukrainian people, and absolutely, Brian, we wish them the very best there, for sure. For sure, for sure. All right, so another interesting but less explosive item. We've got a 475-year-old German brewery opening a location here in the U.S. in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's probably not the brewery you're thinking of, the name of the brewery is Gilda, and uh, they're based in Hanover, Germany. And as to why they picked Charlotte, it's because both cities have a historical connection to Queen Charlotte of Hanover, and because the owners were impressed with the city's, quote, interest in high-quality beer. So got that going for them. The, this new Gilda location will be part of the brewery's U.S. headquarters and will oversee the plans to distribute their beer all across the U.S., and they have big plans. They're already talking about opening up an even bigger facility. Very cool. Yep. Good stuff, Brian. You are listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take a break, but we'll be back very soon to talk Michigan beer history. Have you visited Ironmonger Brewing recently? Take a trip and see the newly renovated and spacious tap room or enjoy the outdoors in their new beer garden with plenty of seating and shade to ease that summer sun. Ironmonger's Tap Room has a variety of craft beer and hard seltzer on tap with wine and spirits coming soon. Ready for a bit of adventure? Try out axe throwing with Ironmonger's 16 target range. It's a perfect spot for some quick fun or to host your next party or corporate event. So grab your friends and have some fun today at Ironmonger Brewing. Have you ever thought about owning your own brewery but don't know what it takes to get one built? We're Storytime Construction, and we build breweries. We're Georgia's most experienced and hands-on contractors when it comes to building new breweries and tap rooms or expanding existing breweries. We offer full build-outs, remodeling, and additions, as well as consulting and construction management. Give us a call at 770-733-4343. Storytime Construction. We build breweries. The Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Cannibal! Cannibal coming. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Remember, all episodes are available on demand, so if you missed the broadcast, get the podcast. Beer Guys Radio is available on the Podcast Park and all popular and unpopular podcasting apps. Now, let's get back to Michigan beer history. Patty, we just opened another Michigan beer here from Old Nation Brewing. We've got... Mm -hmm. 
B43, and which okay. is their brute version of their IPA. And yeah, uh, yeah crispy, a yeah. little clearer than M43 definitely is not clear. Correct. And I yeah. love this beer. I actually like this a, a good amount, especially following. Yeah. It's, it's actually really nice following the beer we just had. It so. is. It's a good follow up. Patty, what are some of your favorite breweries in Michigan? Oh, my gosh. At any given time, we have um, – well, before the pandemic, I want to say it was right around 400 breweries, if not wow. more. Okay. Um, last I heard was about 360, but honestly, I don't even know anymore. I, so I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is about 40 miles um, west of Detroit, about an hour south of Lansing, our capital. So I, I have access to a lot of different breweries, and – um, one of my one of the ones I really like is called Original Gravity down in Milan. It's about 20 minutes south of here. And um, a friend of mine owns it. So I'm a little bit biased, but they have really solid beers. Um, I am actually not an IPA fan and they make a lot more than just IPAs. There's been this trend, as I'm sure you know, over the past few years that it's really things are really IPA heavy and they have some really good alternatives to IPAs there. Um. Likewise, in Ann Arbor, we have Wolverine State Brewing Company, which specializes in lagers, which is is fairly unusual. Um, and they just do some incredible things with lagers. There's uh, one called the Barista, which has coffee in it. Um, there's just so many different things they do. Uh, beyond that, I really like Saugatuck Brewery, which is on the western side of the state. They have a Neapolitan Stout, which... It's really incredible because one year it'll be a little more chocolatey, one year it'll be a little more vanilla-y, one year it'll be a little more strawberry. It's it, it, it's so well done. It's probably like my, my well, it is my favorite stout. I can say that, and that's my favorite beer style. Beyond that, we actually went up to Mackinac, and uh, there's a Beer de Mac beer, beer pub there, which is excellent. Okay. It's, mm-hmm. They just had some outstanding stuff. So, you know, almost anywhere you go in the state, I mean, Traverse City, which is up, it's like a very fancy, you know, right on Lake Michigan. It's very pretty. They have, they have, I don't even know how many brew pubs now, but anywhere you go, there's going to be a place that you can, you can find. So I'm finding new ones all the time. See, I love it. I was going to say, uh, sorry, I, I was going to say from, from my little bit of time that I spent in Michigan many years ago, I know that cherries were a huge thing. Does everybody mm-hmm. make a cherry beer there or is that, is it not as, as big a deal as it once was? Atwater Brewing in Detroit has, I think it's a cherry wheat beer, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, Traverse City is is known for cherries. And, uh, you know, I don't, well, Right Brain. So Right Brain Brewery is a really good brewery. They're in Traverse City and they have, they do just incredible things with beer. They put stuff in the mash that I would never think of. So as an example, they do have, I think it's called cherry pie something. I don't remember, but it's, they put cherry pie in the mash. Um, they also have an asparagus beer where they put asparagus in the mash. Oh, really? Ooh. Oh, really? Ooh. It tastes like what you think, but you know, okay. God bless them for trying. You know, I'm like, hey, you decided. Um, and then, of course, at a beer fest, my crazy friends were like, we want to see if our peach smells like asparagus beer. Sure. Asparagus yeah. after drinking. Yeah, it did. They said, I'm like, it worked. Right, okay. I was thinking, how, ma- how many air fresheners did they have to put in those porta potties or those bathrooms? Right, exactly. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, and they also have, I, I just want to give a plug for this. It's a Mangalista pig porter, where apparently up that way, there's a, there's like a festival of a pig. And you, you the whole idea is that you use every part of the Mangalista pig which are adorable little, look them up. They're, they're gorgeous. Um, and somebody, I guess someone like said, there's no way you can use 
pig in a beer and they did they put like the beer like the big head i guess or something in the beer and it's incredible it's a it's a solid porter it has that like nice smoky barbecue taste so okay yeah. <laughs> not halal yeah, definitely not definitely not, not. Halal. that's that's a very interesting not thing. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. See, we've no, had not some, kosher either. Yeah. We, right. Or kosher. We've had some breweries here that have, um, like Sweetwater did, uh, I forget the name of it, but it was a smoked porter, you know, the, with bacon. But they partnered with a barbecue uh, barbecue place, and they put the malt, malts in their smoker. Oh, yeah, smoke them all. So that, that'll yeah. get so something like some that, of that. Let it kind of drip down yeah. in there and get the flavor in that. But That's what a lot of places do. But, but they I, didn't go whole hog on it. Did not go did whole not hog. Did not go whole hog on it. No. So, so, Patty, Michigan Beer History, we're going to back it up a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. from talking about these modern breweries. Um, when you look back at Michigan Beer History, is it divided into sections or kind of rolled out through the state? Uh, how did you how did you approach it with your book? Uh, what I did is I divided into four sections, uh, Upper Peninsula, the, uh, what did I call it? I called it the, the western side of the state, and then mid and east, and then southeast lower. So if you're, so the way the geography goes in Michigan, southeast lower Michigan tends to get a lot of attention. It, it's where I'm from. Detroit is there. Ann Arbor is there. Um, so I actually had that section last in the book, and on purpose, I put the Upper Peninsula chapter first. Because um, it, it, they, they do often, I feel like, get the short shrift. And um, there's, from time to time, people want like a separate state. And it's it's this whole thing. So I started by dividing into those portions. And what I found fairly quickly is that what actually happened on a macro level was pretty similar. Immigrants came here. People came here. If you were in the Upper Peninsula, you were probably working in the mines. If you were in like the... Uh, northern, lower, and mid, it might have been like lumber in southeast, lower Michigan. It might have been um, with assembly. Well, not then it would have been assembly lines, but they made stoves in Detroit way back in the day. Western side made furniture. So there's all these different reasons people were moving here from Germany, England, Belgium, all these places. And some of them came to, with training, with training and brewing from Germany or wherever. A lot didn't. Um, They just okay, there's this town now full of guys working in the mine. And I didn't know this. The mine only ran half the year. So the other half of the year, they got money and nothing to do. So, well, heck, I'll open up a brewery and I'll learn how to brew. Um, and so that's how a lot of a lot of the places got started. So if I had just done that, it would have been a real quick book. Like, okay, people move sure. here, make beer. Okay. So boom. what I did is I, I like, there you go, done, boom, where's my, right. where's my money? That's so, it. Um, right, right. So what I did is I tried to find as many interesting people as I could and just just kind of bizarre things that that popped up. And my intent when I when I pitched this in March 2020 was to spend the summer of 2020 traveling around to libraries and maybe even breweries around the state and just saying, hey, you know, and, and really digging in. And COVID just made that impossible. Right. Um I couldn't even order books from my library because my library was closed. Our historical library was closed. Uh, so what I did is I, I, once the library started opening, I got some of the books that were written before about Michigan beer. And I, that was my jumping off point. And I started looking for interesting people. Like, um, and I did go into it with a focus. I wanted to find brewers outside the norm and, 
So I looked for women who were in the industry, very, very few, mostly widows, but there were a few women who were married. A guy died. One guy died falling on the sidewalk, cracked his head. Wow. Um, and she carried on. I mean, her brother-in-law helped her, but she carried on. Um, occasionally you'd have like, it would be in the house and the man was brewing back there. The woman was serving and the, the front was the saloon. Um, and, uh, then there was a couple instances like where daughters were bookkeepers. And so there, there was some involvement. Um, I had hoped to find some like African-American brewing stories, but we live in America and we don't do a good job of recording that history. So right, right. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it happened, but like I always say, you know, with history, you have what you have. So if you were brewing and you couldn't afford an ad in a city directory or in a newspaper and that didn't get digitized and I couldn't find it. I don't, I have no knowledge of it. Right. So, gotcha. um, yeah, so I'm sure there was more. And it, yeah. I, uh, Native Americans too. I'm sure there's much more about that, but I just didn't have access. Well, we'll get into more of that here very soon. You're listening to the beer guys radio show. We're going to take a break, but we'll be back to talk Michigan beer history. It's great to see our community coming back to life. The cold weather is fading away, and it's time to enjoy the greatest patio in Kennesaw. Join us at The Nest and spend some time with family, have a beer with a neighbor, or simply celebrate the end of another day. Make a reservation at thenestkennesaw.com for Sunday brunch and enjoy an overloaded Bloody Mary. At The Nest, you'll find smiling faces, great barbecue, and 48 taps of local craft beverages. Don't forget, our outdoor space is perfect for your four-legged best friend. We look forward to seeing you soon at The Nest. The most award-winning brewery east of the Mississippi has come to Atlanta. Iron Hill Brewery and Restaurant is now serving in Dunwoody at Perimeter Mall and in Buckhead on Peachtree near Phipps Plaza, serving a variety of menu items from a completely scratch kitchen, plus craft beer brewed 10 feet from your table. Try their signature Philly cheesesteak egg rolls paired with a fresh Municalis lager. Iron Hill Brewery and Restaurant, serving Atlanta in Buckhead and Dunwoody. Drop in today or make a reservation or place a pickup or delivery order at ironhillbrewery.com. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram now back to the beer guys radio show Shake it, Woo! welcome back to the beer guys radio show i want to give a quick shout out to one of our great radio affiliates wbqo 93.7 fm in brunswick georgia catch beer guys radio on wbqo every sunday at 1 p.m now let's get back to michigan beer history michigan beer we just cracked another michigan beer here we, we have did. from jolly pumpkin we opened our bam noir and i don't remember the year on this, and we can't find it on the bottle, but I'm thinking 15, 16? Probably. Over there, so we're f- and it's held up delightfully. Yeah, Just a beautiful, nice. beautiful beer. So enjoying that tartness, uh, dark, dark, dark farm- fruity flavors, dark farmhouse Yeah. Yep, dark farmhouse sales, uh, bottle conditioned and everything. Yeah, it's effervescent, I can tell. <laughs> Delish, it is effervescent, absolutely. Patty, we got kind of an overview in last segment of kind of the broad uh-huh. view of Michigan yep. beard there. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I found interesting, you mentioned like the Bavarian immigrants, which I think is a common story of brewing you know kind of across mm-hmm. a lot of the country mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but i also saw, saw something neat that i think it may maybe it was in the up had an early influence from the french and a spruce mm-hmm. beer is that correct yes yeah yeah yes and what's interesting is i have a friend his name is michael O'Brien, and he's like this brilliant brewer he he makes this amazing beer and he actually made a spruce beer 
was you know spruce needles and the mash um and it, it was pretty good kind of christmas tree but it was quite delicious right. yeah. um and so when i read that i thought fondly of him and that beer that he made but yeah so there were there were some french folks up there brewing and um like i said native native americans up there so yep using like uh sap and whatever else like, all that been available see if you're a big ipa like a west coast ipa with that resinous piney grapefruit then that spruce is just Brian, can you attest? Yeah, I like right it. On I, it. I look for it. I was intrigued by it back in the homebrewing days and when we were homebrewing I picked some spruce tips. Our we, beer didn't turn out well. It but didn't. No. I was very intrigued by it. But yes, that, that Christmas tree flavor in, in mm-hmm. a, a West Coast IPA, perfect, you know. Perfect yeah. Oh, yeah. So how much influence do you know, like the, the these French immigrants and German immigrants, do they still have much of a noticeable noticeable, uh, noticeable impact on Michigan beer today? Or is that kind of faded with time would you say um that's a really good question i i would say it probably faded after prohibition because almost every brewery was gone um after prohibition strohs would have been they lasted until the 80s uh in detroit and then they ceased operations now stuff is being brewed again um by contract brewers but um what did happen the influence that they did have was the the folks coming from germany wanted loggers the folks coming from England wanted ales. And so there were some situations that are mentioned in the book that were like, there was almost like this battle between ales and lagers. Like, and then like in, in Detroit, more and more Germans were coming. They wanted lagers. So people that were making ale switched to being maltsters and like just all, like there was just that, it was kind of where you were and who was there and what they wanted to drink. Beer fights. Were there actual fights over beer styles? Yeah, lager. I, I, I swear uh, I've heard something like this where there were battles that were fought. or people There was a fought. Chicago beer riot, and that's I can't what, remember the details yes. of it, but I know it was. That's we what talked I'm about of. it. There was a riot yeah. that was beer influenced there. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. So if yeah. it happened there, why not, you know, Detroit or somewhere else? Sure. sure. Possibly. Hey, yeah. yeah. The ales versus the lagers, the yes, street gangs. I'm curious if the, it, if there was like a religious tie too, uh, you know, with with these things like, oh, Catholics have the ales or the lagers and the Protestants have this or that. I, I wouldn't be surprised because I, I vaguely recall there being some weird association with beer styles and that causing fights amongst people. People will fight yeah. for any well, reason, Tim, the, so yeah, that's it true. makes sense. People, yeah. I think it was the Catholic, and man, I've got all this, I've got all this, partial information about history but <laughs> i think the catholic church was either for or against hops oh yeah like there was something you know isn't that where the term oh, wow. a wicked a wicked and pernicious weed yes that's doesn't right. that come from that so that's they were english right against it so that's why the groups because yeah. they were against hops and i think that it How goes back to martin luther was also like pro hops like pro beer because it was anti-catholic church Oh, okay. I would like anyone who just listened to this to validate it because I could have that totally wrong. <laughs> That's but, right. Yeah. But I think I'm on track there. Yeah. Go go do the research for yourself to make yes. sure about this. Yeah. Maybe we'll update. Maybe not. We'll just talk. <laughs> we'll knows? just keep running their mouth. Patty, is there a is there a definitive answer to what the first commercial brewery was in Michigan? In no, I don't believe there is. I mean, in in, in Grand Rapids on the western part of the state, they started pretty early in the 1850s. In like I said, in Detroit, I mean. Cadillac had a brewer imported, um, but it wasn't commercial in that sense. It was it was for Fort Fort Wayne, the early settlers in Detroit. Um, but that is a good question, and I should probably figure out an answer. So next time we talk, I can tell you uh, it was this. Because so. I know sometimes that can be muddy. It's like because of the record keeping at that time. It's like, well, we think this. Heck, even in modern times, I know we've got two brew pubs in Georgia that talk about they were the first one to exactly open yeah. in the modern era, depending on you know how you look at things. Uh, but with that, I did see that 
even some of your early breweries, these weren't cottage operations, some of them. I mean, I saw one that was like 10,000 barrels a year, which is a, a substantial brewery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, you had like you'd, you'd have, like Grand Rapids, for example, they consolidated and they, they formed the Grand Rapids Brewery with like five different places that kind of put their put themselves together. Um, and then Detroit, of course, did have some of the bigger brewers. Um, and again, there may be stories out there I just didn't come across. So if people sure. know, yeah. I would love to hear. So, yeah, that's I mean, there's just so much out there. You can only turn up so much in your research. I think I even talk with Ron Smith, sure. who wrote the, uh, you know, one of the authors of the Atlanta Beer Book. He said he'd like to revisit it because there's new info, new information yeah. and other Absolutely. things he found. People yeah. find Absolutely. new stuff. It gets sure. digitized. I did see some in- interesting information that Stroh's in the late 19th century was was shipping beer as far away as Florida, which I thought was amazing. We're like, That's impressive. Yeah. After 1850s, but before, the, you know, the, the 1900s. So I, I don't know when that is, but imagining that going back that far with that level of distribution, I was like, that's crazy. They're ahead of, they're ahead of some current brewers right now in terms of distribution. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, we also saw, Patty, I think uh, one of the things, there was a female influence, maybe, you know, not huge, but at that time mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. were, if, And again, I know just enough history to mangle it to pieces, but I I believe there was a father that had daughters and sons that when he passed, they took over the brewery and and really grew it. Correct. Yes, that is. That's the bookkeepers where the daughter was. The daughters were like the bookkeepers. The sons were. And it was kind of the the family took on the brewery. And that was in the Detroit area also. And they kind of took on, I think, in Corktown, actually. And they kind of took that on and they carried it on. And like I said, you also had. You know why? And in, in Grand Rapids, there was um, a family who the the husband and wife were married. He died. She kind of kept it going, like with a brother or somebody. And then she remarried, and then they kind of took it off. So that was kind of cool. I'm like, you know what? You, you kept it going. You kept it up, and good for you. So they got started so early in Michigan. It's a question we haven't asked before when it comes to to beer history. Most of the time is the Civil War. How did that impact? Because people were brewing. A lot of people were brewing in Michigan pre Civil War, pre 1860. So what happened during the 1860s? Did that slow things down? There, um, you know, there, a lot of the stuff that was in the 1860s-ish when a lot of stuff kind of started taking off, but there was a, a man and his name escapes me, but he was in the Civil War and he went and he got injured somewhere. And then how did this go? Like he was a brewer. He went, he fought, he got injured. He They tried to send him home and he's like, no, no, no. And he went back and fought more. And then he got, he got like injured again. And then I, I don't know if he was like a Sherman or he was one of them. And uh, it, it was just, he kept going back to fight. And he, I think he was like prisoner of war for a little bit. And he finally got back home and he picked up his brewing operations. So there's just, there's just such, they're just such a plucky bunch, the brewers. Just, oh yeah. They're, they're so going to get the beer made. So, and they're yeah. going to fight exactly. too. Yes. Cause I'm not sure if you're aware, but the civil war did have a fairly substantial impact on Atlanta. Oh yeah. I've there heard was. that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It did. I, it I didn't did. see it personally, but uh, I, yeah. I've heard that it was significant. I heard like it was noticeable. Someone came down here from like the Northeast one time. I was talking to one of my buddies and they said that uh, uh, they made a comment. They're like, well, all your buildings look so nice and new. And that's like, that's because they're all burnt down. You that's know, right. So, they burned it to the ground and we was like, all right, I guess we'll build new yeah, buildings. Now. Build it again. Yeah. So yeah. here we go. <laughs> Nate's telling us we're running low on time here. What can we cover here? Prohibition. Let's, let's yeah. start dipping mm-hmm. into prohibition. Mm-hmm. We'll probably mm-hmm. have to finish it up, but Michigan uh, how did they take prohibition? Because I know different states mm-hmm. ratified it at different times, and some state prohibitions preceded national prohibition. We did May first, nineteen eighteen. We went dry, um, and like I said, there were there were counties that were wet and dry, and and then people would go to the next county over, and so then but then that then that original county would say, well, let's go wet again, and people come back. Um, 
But yeah, May 1st, 1918, and we were actually the first state to vote for repeal. So I think we were just done. We're like, all right, they, we, we did we're it. Done. We're done. So. Let's get it. Nate's telling me I started a new topic too late. We're going to have to come back in in just a minute here. Beer Guys Radio, we do have to take a break, but we'll be back very soon with more Michigan beer history. Cobb County, Georgia is home to 19 great breweries, distilleries, meateries, cideries, and wineries. This March, Cobb Travel and Tourism brings you Bubbles and Brews Craft Beverage Month. Visit participating locations and get your brew pass stamp, sample unique brews, and win sweet prizes all month long. Make sure to get double stamps on Bubbles and Brews event nights and vote online for your favorite brews. Celebrate with Cobb's best craft beverage makers throughout the month of March. Get more info now at bubblesandbrews.com. Brian and Tim, the beer guys. If you're like us, no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer. Which is why Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth are always on our list. Tim, why do they call it Truck and Tap? Well, the tap part is easy, Brian. They've got 18 of them. As for the truck part, that's where it gets interesting. Truck and Tap features your favorite Atlanta area food trucks, so you're getting a different menu every day. Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth. Truckandtap.com. Let them know that the beer guys sent you. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Your revolution is over, Mr. Lebowski. Condolences, the bomb's lost. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash beerguys. Patrons get cool perks like Beer Guys swag and commercial-free episodes. Now let's get back to Michigan beer history. Patty, we set it up. I actually started the conversation too late mm-hmm. in the last segment, but Prohibition. So can you give me the Cliff's Notes version of how Michigan breweries handled Prohibition? Uh, if you had the capital, if you had the, if you owned the building, if you had um, just, a, just a lot of, you know, location, just a, a lot of, dip, if you had equipment, you could probably pivot to, like I said earlier, like cheese, a soda pop was popular, right, okay. near beer, ice cream. Reality is almost no one could do that. Yeah. And so almost all of them were completely wiped out. Yeah. So it just, it changed the landscape. It just, oh, so. And I think you mentioned that you had mentioned that you were also the first state to ratify the 21st Amendment ending mm-hmm. pro. So you were early to adopt prohibition and ready to get out of there, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, we had, there was so much, we, we had so much under, underground crime and there, the Detroit River would freeze and people would bring stuff from Canada. And so it was just all this stuff was happening. I think they were yeah. like, all right, we got to end this. Enough. Get done with it. What was your mm-hmm. first brewery post-prohibition? Hmm. Am I asking the I, tough questions here? Yeah. We'll have to see. I, yeah. I mean, there, there were some that stuck around, like Stroh stuck around. So it just started They just fired back again. up there, right? Okay, exactly. gotcha. Okay. There, there was the Ann Arbor Brewery in Ann Arbor here, same thing. They made ice cream and they just started making beer again. So I don't know if there really was a first one. I think that there makes was sense. Okay. enough, you know, that were left that could just kind of start yeah. firing up beer again. So was there much of an underground beer economy there? I mean, were, were breweries kind of, Hey, we're officially closed, but really brewing stuff? Or is that something you really can't find documentation of because, well, it's under the table? There was a lot of liquor in Detroit. There's a lot of old homes in Detroit that I hear still have like a speakeasy in the basement. 
Yeah. Um, and of course, like with with uh, the Detroit River, it would freeze over in Windsor's right across. So people would they would just literally wait till it froze. They would drive across, or they'd have a boat or something when it wasn't frozen. So a lot of liquor and alcohol and spirits were coming into Detroit. Was there beer being made? More than likely. I mean, you could get like you could get brewer's yeast to, uh, you know, maybe make your bread with or something. Because you right. know, you'd never use that for anything else. So mm. I'm sure it was being made in many, many places um, because people are going to drink. Sure. I remember seeing things like they would have something that like a grape drink. You'd have this mm-hmm. this brick of grape drink, and it yes, would say exactly the grape concentrate, right? Yep. And it would say, "Whatever you do, do not add yeast to this because it no. will produce alcohol." Yeah, and like, so you really don't make want to sure do that. you don't add two packets of yeast to this concoction here. I I talked to a a guy I work with. He he lived he worked for a time in Saudi Arabia in a it like a, the foreigners compound, and it was it was kind of a cottage industry to supply interesting ingredients together that could be put together to produce your own like basically wines and okay. it was got to a yeah. point where i think that stuff was almost set up in a packet and they had their own things but it's like no oh, yeah don't put these together and it's like no 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 he just bought he just bought uh you know some flour or, you know whatever yeah. and he's a little bit of this a little bit of that but uh you know sir think, why do you have 500 pounds of grapes that's right <laughs> <laughs> i like grapes that, i like grapes the guy drew yeah. a diagram back in the day of like how he had basically his, his airlock how it worked and everything like that i thought that was so cool but this Folks is going back genius, a long man. time they're gonna ago. make yeah. stuff work out for sure yeah, yeah patty i'm gonna throw a question totally out of left field because sure. i teased it i hear there's a disney connection with a brewery in michigan what is the disney connection so johnny pfeiffer he is, let me see, I'm going to get the exact year here. Um, oh, where was it? I hope I have the right thing here. Uh, yes, okay, so I don't, ha- I don't have the year. Sorry about that. But it was post-World War II. Um, Johnny Pfeiffer was designed by the Walt Disney Studio. And I say, this jaunty fellow proclaimed that the famous beer follows you around the world in the special overseas can. And Johnny Pfeiffer is a little guy. He's kind of got like a George Washington hat on. He's playing a, a fife. And uh, Makes yeah, sense. He, yeah. He got big chubby cheeks. And yes, yeah, so I thought okay. that was kind of cool when I found that. I was like, hey, all right. Did I miss what brewery that was for? Pfeiffer's. Pfeiffer's for, that's famous. For Pfeiffer. Okay. There we I go. have that's a follow up yep. question about that because I Googled this uh, because I, I came across that. Apparently that uh-huh. brewery is reopening, but they're not. Star- they started in Detroit, right? They're reopening yeah. in Anaheim, California, I think is what I saw. Yeah, it, it just, have you heard this? There's one that's opening in Florida. I can't remember if it's Pfeiffer or not, but there's one that start might have been Kling that like started in Detroit and now it's in Florida. But that could also be that that would be awesome. That would be amazing if that was happening. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting because they have all of that they got that Disney character, but they're just like it's coming soon to Anaheim. And I, I thought, that is so weird that you would take it to, to California from Detroit, but <laughs> You know, who knows? Hey, who knows what these there's things are? There's a connection. Why did you, so, yeah, somebody can get a name and go with it and just uh, just jump yeah. there. Or their so, family came yeah. from there, and they're like, we've, we, this, we've got some family back. connection yeah. to yeah. it. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so, Patty, let's talk modern times a little bit more. Okay. So we mm-hmm. know, as we mentioned, we've, we've drank through a few of the modern breweries that we know here. Uh, founders, founders, we've got their KBS right now. I don't think I mentioned it. Hazelnut KBS, yes. which is just delicious. Reminiscent. Of the Delicious. Frangelic Mountain Brown that I love it so is. much. Absolutely. We've had some uh, Bell's beer here and, of course, Jolly mm-hmm. Pumpkin, which is phenomenal. And a little Old Nation. Um, modern era. What mm-hmm. is, you mentioned a little bit earlier about lagers and IPAs. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. cool in Michigan now? What are the hip styles in Michigan? 
Um, at least pre-pandemic, M43 was huge. Right. That was yeah. that was huge. Um, Bells, Oberon, always. That's like the first sign of spring around here, and they do like yeah. like places. Kind of like you said, release at midnight. They'll release the Bells, Oberon. And there's like an Elberon crawl. Um, there is. There, you know, there is so much that right now, um, I mean, Founders is always popular. Bells is always popular. Atwater from Detroit is always popular. Um, Shorts up in Bel Air. Oh, so in the like upper, use my hand again, kind of like in the near the, like the upper lower peninsula. We call like the, it the ring right. finger, uh, the middle of the ring yeah. finger yes, of the, of the, the mitten. Thing. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. In the mitten. So, and, and shorts tends to be very popular as well. Um, so. And they always have very unique styles. Um, uh, Dragon Mead and Coon Henetta Warren are also pretty popular. Um, they have a lot of different. Um, there, oh, uh, Greenbush out of Sawyer, Michigan. They are very popular at the beer fest. Their lines <laughs> tend to be the longest. So okay, line it up for them. I remember that the, you said how is it pronounced Coonhen? It's an interesting Coonhen. spelling to Coonhen. it. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. that that came up somewhere along the way in my travels, and uh, I think it was visiting New oh, York, cool. and people were talking about that's an incredible. They make an incredible IPA. You need to try it Coonan? if you can find it. Yeah, Coonan. now they're a big meadery too, aren't they? Aren't they? Now, aren't I, they more known for their mead than is, their is beer? That, is that a different Not place? The, that might be a different place. There's Shram is it, Meadery. Is it that K-U, is pretty big, like K U N N H E N or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like so. that. I think so. Yeah. Do they make they mead the, as well? The, the Dr. They might. I, mean, I I have not been there in a really long time. And I think back in the day, part of the people, the whispered secret was, is they had a an, an excellent suit, like a very dry IPA. It was really top notch. And I, I think they were, they were, you know, like rice was one of the adjuncts to, to achieve yes, that. And people yes. were like, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yep. You got to try it. And I finally did try it. I'm like, this is, this is really good. It's really good. I, I looked around for it for a while and I was kind of hoping eventually that would make it, make it down here to the South, but it, we're too far away, I think, is the uh, the 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 end of the story there. You know, uh, so you there was another th- thing that you mentioned about a Supreme Court case that was very interesting. Is but they're fighting over a name, right? Like two breweries went all the way to the Supreme Court for the Silver Foam. Yeah, yeah. One of them. Um, I so what I think they they called the beer Silver Foam, and then Prohibition happened, and then another brewery wanted to call their beer Silver Foam. So it's like, well, who gets the the trademark? Did the trademark end with? And and I believe that the newer one the post prohibition ended up winning that fight spoiler but i just like the court cases i just think they're kind of cool you know that's an interesting thing if you stepped in and and kind of stomped on this brewery you would think that the original the original holder of the the intellectual property or the Mm -hmm. name would be able to come back and grab it yeah exactly michigan beer history we've just touched the surface right patty yes there's so much more in the book so much more so so much more if people want to get that book and they should where can they make that happen um, you can go to Arcadia Publishers um, or the History Press. It's under the same umbrella. That'll take you there. And just look for Michigan Beer um, if if you're willing to buy from Amazon. Or you can go to my website, uh, which is Teacher Patty, Patty with an I, dot com. And that will have links to the books I have written. Very cool. Excellent. And Patty, you mentioned you blog. Do you still blog? Uh, you know, not as much. Now it's just more like a website. Um, okay. What I've been updating is I, I'm going on a book tour this summer. Um, cool. Uh, God willing, everything works out and I can get everything, get hotels and stuff. Um, but I, the, the response has been, I just, you know, sent out emails to libraries and historical societies saying, hey, I have this presentation. And the response has been amazing. And I, I have over three dozen things set up um, for the summer. So sounds like a busy time. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. This is awesome. Thank Absolutely. you so much. You're very welcome.
Well, that about wraps it up, Brian, for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Join us next week, Brian, St. Patrick's Day beers. Oh, yeah. And St. Patrick's Day info. We always enjoy those, so we're going to have a good time with it. For more craft beer info, follow us online. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers. Cheers.